Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. I am your host, Drew Addison, and with me, as always, is your Alumni Association president and my beautiful wife, Yvonne. How are you today? Good. Welcome back, Roadrunner Nation. And producer Jacob, back on the mic. <laughs> back again. <laughs> it's a great day to be alive and be a Roadrunner. Glad to be on the show and glad to get this one kicked off. And man, what a game against UAB. Yvonne and I were out going to have lunch, and uh, I told her I had more gray hairs, and she asked me, so how do you know? I was like, well, they're the long ones. And a half of them you got on Saturday. Yeah, it was yeah. Saturday, yeah. for sure. During the game. Yeah. I mean, it definitely took years off your life. Oh, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so worth it. So uh, worth it. Over 35,000 people in the Dome. It was awesome. Uh, you know, Yvonne and I were screaming our heads off. And I have to excuse my voice as um, it is a little hoarse from the game. But we were screaming our heads off every time that our defense was on the field. And there was a couple times where I had to stop. I just wanted to take in, like, yeah. the noise mm-hmm. in there. Deafening in it there. Was. It was crazy. Yeah. I couldn't imagine being on the field trying to make calls and do your cadence and everything else, man. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Well, I saw Frank Harris kind of motioning to the crowd, hey, like, yeah, keep let, it down just a little bit because we got to. Yeah, let's keep it know, down when we're on offense. Call, that's call our plays <laughs> during offense here. Eric Sosa told us <laughs> about that. Yeah, that's game. right. That's Absolutely. Right. I don't <laughs> blame him. <laughs> and I was, you know, Joe, I was thinking about that. You know, the, the second episode of our podcast that we did with the Alamo Domodable guys, you know, check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. But they highlight in that episode, like, hey, the UAB game, hot circle that one. That what's going to be. And they were right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool to, you know, you can see the effect that the crowd had on UAB. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the fall starts and, they, you know, they had when to change the way they were going to get the ball off. And it was just so incredible to see. And, you know, just kind of brings back the, the memories even from that first game of seeing that much orange yeah. in the yeah. stadium. It was so awesome. Incredible. Was really cool. so congratulations to our student athletes and our band and our student section for showing yeah. up again. And the city of San Antonio and our alumni for, I mean, y'all showed up and showed out. It yeah. was incredible. Also, the Alumni Association tailgate was was popping off. Absolutely. It was great. Great <laughs> it attendance. Was so and then Sosa had their alumni band members joining them on the field. And it sounded so incredibly like powerful, like in your face. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Uh, Yvonne and I's seats are like across the stadium from the band. And when they first started playing, when they got up to their seats we're just like man that is a lot louder yeah, yeah. I was like, they must have brought in a lot more speakers or something and then andrew reminded me there's like another 240 band members yeah, sitting up there, there. Oh, yeah. got, they have more trombones today. Yeah. i think there was like 50 tubas it was- yeah all, all the all the tubas that was pretty awesome yeah, to see and then we saw cool. connor and shelby smith yeah. connor out in the field yeah. uh, we saw shelby with the band performing upstairs yep. and, mm-hmm. awesome. so that was really awesome to see them and kind of get their perspective of things and i mean it was so great yeah. i mean the turnout was awesome. Everybody was so excited. Of course, you know, second play into the game, got your heart going. Right. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Reality um, check. Yeah, yeah. But it does show the grit and yeah, the and drive the that these players yeah. have. Yeah. Somebody mentioned that it, I think that last drive is going to be one of those where were you moments for mm-hmm. UTSA mm-hmm. alumni and fans. 50 years in the future, where were you during that drive and that game? And yep. and the, the perseverance the team showed and the coaches showed to go 77 yards in, in a minute and six seconds, whatever it was. Three seconds yeah. left and, and, and close yeah. the game yeah. out. Yeah, just incredible. And then all the students out on the field, Yvonne got a really great picture of all of that. That was awesome. I know, yeah, I think I saw that cool. one. Yeah. Was a lot. It was a good crowd that stuck around and yeah. it was exciting to see. 
you know, that opportunity to be a part of the celebration, but then connect with the players yeah. and staff and folks out there. That was a really neat experience. Yeah. So. Well, Runner Nation, we are experiencing history and, uh, you, know, to, you know, week in and week out of watching this this team do some amazing things is, is awesome. And, you know, we have conference championships coming up. I think we said it in episode two, this has the potential to be a magical season and it has turned into something like that. So yes. conference championship around the corner in yes. San Antonio. Yep. So tickets will be on sale on the 23rd. So they'll already be live whenever you guys uh, wake up bright and early Friday morning and need a, just a gentle reminder that tickets are on sale. And then season ticket holders, don't forget you have only until the 30th to buy those seats before they go open to the public so snag those seats don't be late it'll be an exciting game and they will be sold oh, so, yes. Yeah. oh yes make sure you snag them while you can because i would imagine they'll probably have to open the upper deck i would think oh, so. i mean they yeah. did for the last game so, yeah. yeah it's great that the students get to enjoy that and to be honest i mean you know this is a pretty interesting time of their life at utsa yeah. something yeah. they're always going to remember and they deserve it after a season last year of not really being able to go to the games mm-hmm. covid related and and everything that those students have been through mm-hmm. um with remote classes last year and even they, commencement was yeah. kind of wonky and it just they deserve this they yes. deserve to get there and and scream their heads off for their team yeah. absolutely and the work they put in the season yeah. <laughs> you know like showing up and and getting loud and with the mega head signs yeah i love yeah. that oh, i love dude. it yeah. that's coach trailer with the red bandana yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to those student groups that are out there getting that stuff done but conference championship december 3rd at the alamo dome 6 p.m make sure you get your tickets you get there early, get your spot. Get, yeah. It's right. going to be a big crowd at the Alamo Dome. So yeah. you want to plan for your parking and make your way up to the Alamo Dome. But don't forget to stop by the tailgate areas. And I know we're going to have some things. Keep an eye out on your social media. We'll be announcing opportunities for alumni to be involved in the celebration, pre-game celebration. So uh, nice. keep your ears, keep your eyes out, and uh, you'll hear all about it. Watch the socials. Uh, search UTSA Alumni Association and uh, get all your information there, as well as tickets and ways in and all that good stuff. We we had the opportunity to speak with Lisa Cunningham, who's the executive director of the San Antonio Education Partnership. She is a two-time UTSA alumni, yeah. <laughs> uh, finishing undergrad at UTSA and getting her master's degree at UTSA as well. She has a really interesting story when yeah. it comes to her higher education life and, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know getting a scholarship, going to UT Austin. And then finding out real quick that you're going to take on some pretty serious responsibility to get it done. Right, right. Think back to our Dean Kosman episode for HCAP. She now serves on the advisory committee for Dean Kosman and HCAP. So she's still involved with the university. But her story is incredible. And I I think y'all are really going to enjoy this conversation because she not only is an all-star in in what she does and and working with inner city schools, Title I schools to get kids to, to college, to provide the options and opportunities that they might not know exist, but she just has a great heart. She's got a great story mm-hmm. and a passion for what she does. It's pretty interesting too, to, to speak with alumni that are involved with nonprofit organizations where she came into teaching, went into for-profit yeah. for a construction company, and then ultimately got hired to be the executive director of the Bear County Family Justice Center. And then really kind of found her love mm-hmm. of being support for the community yeah. and ultimately gravitated to nonprofit and yeah. doing some really amazing things things. Check out the interview, hang out for afterwards for some additional things going on at the university and for the Alumni Association. And we'll be back in a minute. Birds up. Birds up. up. Lisa Cunningham is proud to serve as the executive director of the San Antonio Education Partnership. After completing her undergraduate work in business and education at the University of Texas at Austin and UTSA, began her career in education as a teacher, curriculum developer, and trainer. After pivoting into the for-profit business world for some time, 
Lisa accepted a position with the Bear County Criminal District Attorney's Office as the Executive Director of the Bear County Family Justice Center. Most recently, she was appointed Interim Executive Director with the San Antonio Education Partnership in January of 2019 and was ultimately named Permanent Executive Director. In this new role, her passion for education and strong ties to the community will guide her as she serves the citizens of her hometown in this new capacity. Lisa adamantly believes in the enormous power education holds as the ultimate societal equalizer. Not to mention, she's a two-time alumni coming back and getting her master's degree. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. You obviously spent a considerable amount of time on your education UTSA. Take us back from coming out of high school, ultimately making your way to UT, mm-hmm. and then UTSA for your undergrad, and then moving from there. So my memories of graduating high school and going to UT Austin, I was this aloof, knew-it-all had a great scholarship, didn't have to study a lot. I just thought I was going to sail through. Went to UT and fell flat on my face. Mm. I mean, I couldn't have had more fun while I did it. But but yeah, overall, I look back on that time and my arrogance really cost me. Mm. And I think a lot about that, especially working in the field I work in now, how hard some students have it how hard they have to work and the barriers they have to overcome. And I look back on my time going into college and then my initial college experience, and I really feel like a jerk. In a lot of ways, I lost it. I had all of this kind of handed to me, and I just squandered it away. And because of that, I think it has left me in a position where I don't ever want that to happen again. I won't allow it to happen to me. I take things much more seriously. And I look at the barriers that some people face and think, gosh, if I was able to unceremoniously screw it all up that bad and having everything set up in my favor, how hard must it be for them? So I went to UT Austin, lost a scholarship and came back home to San Antonio and enrolled at UTSA. And that's where it really all turned around for me. I looked at things differently. I was in smaller classes, first of all. I think that really helped me. I felt like I had a little bit more attention on me, whereas when I was at UT, didn't really feel that. I kind of got lost a little bit and turned it around. I was even on academic probation, I think, for a couple of semesters and got my grades up and ended up getting my bachelor's degree and went into teaching, ended up in the very for-profit business world. I did business development, learned how to talk to the military, school board, small government entities, negotiate deals, recruit college campuses. It really developed my business acumen. But I knew I wanted more. I knew that that wasn't what I was going to do forever. And the opportunity to work with the district attorney's office came up running a nonprofit. And so I accepted that position and I did that for three years and learned so much about the nonprofit world. It wasn't just the business expertise that I had developed, but on top of that, that double bottom line of running a nonprofit really fascinated me. And I knew I needed to know more. And that's when I decided to return to UTSA and start on my master's in public administration with an emphasis in nonprofits. So I already had the job that I wanted but wanted to really learn how to hone my expertise and do it better. How do you go from teaching into the for-profit private sector? That was not easy. (laughs) Really, it speaks to you want something, you have to go out and 
do it and teach yourself to have the confidence to approach people. And I learned a lot about developing curriculum and working with teachers. I discovered that I was more interested with education, not to take anything away from the classroom experience. That was magical. I knew I couldn't be a rock star, so I wanted to be like a rock star in these kids' eyes, right? And had so much fun. But my interest really was always piqued when I was looking at the budget and, oh, is that why we're doing it this way? Is that why the schedule works this way? How can we improve funding to bring in more money so that we can improve the playground and bring in better books and better computers and electronics and all of that fun stuff? So that's where I was really most interested. Noticed that. So I taught myself things that I ignored or did the bare minimum when I was in school really dove in and learned more about and got mixed up with a company here, a construction company, Mm -hmm. and learned so much about business. And while I was doing that, though, I started working on a nonprofit certification because I knew I wanted to eventually work in the nonprofit world. I taught parenting classes with a local homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. And I only did that for like nine months, but I caught the bug there. I realized, gosh, there's so much need in San Antonio. And that's where I really felt my passion lied. So I got my first certification in nonprofit leadership. And the rest was history after that. I always find it really interesting, especially as we talk to more and more alumni on that path coming out of school. And I mentioned this in in a previous episode that I feel like most students have the general idea of I'm going to get this business degree and I'm going to go into business. Well, that's kind of broad. Or I'm going to go into teaching after I get out of school. Not really fully experiencing what their passion is until they're out there and getting it done. Even listening to you read through my bio, it sounds very linear. First was this, then was this. And it was in no way like that. We were in this CEO roundtable of different nonprofit executives. We're all involved in this collective impact network called Excel Beyond the Belt. And this was pre-pandemic, and we're all in at the Area Foundation sitting around this huge table waiting for the facilitator to arrive. And somebody says, well, what do I know? I was an economics major. And so we start going around the table, and these are all nonprofit leaders, CEOs and executive directors in San Antonio. It's probably about 30 of us Mm -hmm. going around the room talking about what our major was when we were (laughs) undergrads. We had a biology major all the way to someone who majored in language studies, Mm and here I I'm a teacher. You can't look at your career anymore. That antiquated notion that we sign up for one thing and sit at one desk for 50 years and retire from that same place. Those days are gone. The economy is different. The world is different. Mm -hmm. And I really do like to say yes when I get pulled in directions, when I was so happy learning more about why the principal at the school I was working was making decisions, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to understand the business end of that school. When I started working with the homeless, I wanted to understand those problems that surround recidivism and why do we see the same people over and over again? Mm -hmm. What's happening? What's broken? You answer those polls and your career will fall into place, I Mm -hmm. believe, if you have those passions. It'll all align. You mentioned, Drew, going through your bio there and being very linear. As you're 
going through those experiences? Are you consciously formatting what your passion is or taking in all these data points to evaluate what the next thing is? Or is it just no. a confluence of... <laughs> Not at all. I'm just trying to, you know, how much of a plan is it versus how much these experiences coming in are shaping what the next opportunity is? Well, I is. think looking back, it all makes sense. And I can explain it to where it does seem linear. I can write it out in a bio mm-hmm. and talk about it. But during that time, it was much more chaotic. I mean, I was going through a divorce at the time. It was personally a really difficult trying time where I still had financial pressures. And when I was teaching, I waited tables downtown at Morton's. Mm. I mean, I moonlighted. So yeah, it does sound like it was really, and then I decided to do this. And then it all (laughs) fell into place. It did not always fall into place. But those failures really in the end are what add up and lead you in that direction. So when I failed at UT, And I lost my scholarship and I had to move home. I mean, at the time, it was catastrophe. But I look back and it ended up that this is where I needed Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. And even though my arrogance couldn't see it at the time, now in retrospect, I can see I needed smaller classes. I needed to be in an environment where I could stay after class and talk to the professor and the professor would actually talk to me. Mm -hmm. Whereas at UT, I didn't have that experience. It's not to say others don't. I personally did not have that experience. Or even that feeling after failing and having to come home, that's devastating. Yeah, it's embarrassing So now it's like, yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Now it's like, now what? You start in your undergrad and probably didn't even cross your mind, you know, I'm going to be coming back for my master's. Right. You know, (laughs) so it's incredible to kind of see that story play out. And it's such a great storyline that really fits what you do today with the San Antonio Education Partnership. For those that aren't really familiar, tell us what the San Antonio Education Partnership is and what it is you guys do for the community. The partnership has been around since the late 80s, so we're over 30 years old. We basically provide college access and opportunities for San Antonio students. We have four main programs. Our probably most well-known program is Cafe College. Mm -hmm. You could walk in right now. We're open and you can sit down with an advisor and get help with your financial aid application. The FAFSA just opened up on October 1st, so we've got a lot of people in there right now, I promise you. Any personality test, even if you aren't sure what you want to be when you grow up, Mm. we'll help you with that. We'll talk about career pathways. Like, I know I want to be a nurse, but what kind of nurse and how do you do that? Can I go to community college and knock out some courses there and then transfer? Well, what about that transfer process? We are experts in all of it in that we have a good knowledge of those pathways, the end goal, right? Mm -hmm. We all want to have a career that is fulfilling and can sustain whatever lifestyle we want. So how do we get there? There's so much that goes into it. It is not an easy process at all. And across all of our programs, almost 80% of our students are first-generation students. So that means they're the first ones in their households to ever even approach college, anything post-secondary. And so we become that advocate, the handholders that guide you through the process. Because mom, dad, guardians, even older people in the family, they don't have any experience with it. Right. And you can't speak to what you don't know. So Cafe College is open to everyone, even undocumented. It doesn't matter. Just come on in and we'll help you get on a pathway. We also have our Road to Success program, which we're in 36 high schools in the San Antonio area. We're actually on those campuses working alongside counselors and teachers. 
with students because so many times these schools have wonderful, talented, caring counseling staff that just don't have the bandwidth to Mm -hmm. get to all the students. Or they're dealing with life and death situations. And understandably, anything post-secondary kind of takes a back burner, right? Mm -hmm. I I can't help you with that because we've got this student over here who's dealing with some pretty scary, serious stuff. We provide those ancillary services, that support for the staff that we can work with groups of students and do financial aid workshops. We can do one-on-one, help them fill out their financial aid forms, or similar to Cafe College. If you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, talk to us about that. We've got some tests we can run with you and see what might work and fit for you. And then we also have our scholarship program that's really closely related to that Outreach Road to Success program because if you're in one of those high schools where we have an advisor, you can apply for our scholarship, which we pass through $2.1 million in City of San Antonio funding every year. And it's targeted to those students who stay here. They stay local and go to UTSA or another local college or university And we will fund that scholarship for the entire duration of their college career. Wow, it's incredible. It's incredible. And it has really changed lives. For the vast majority of our awardees, it's the only scholarship they receive. Mm. Then we have other local area businesses and banks who fund scholarships like Broadway Bank. Um, (laughs) Every year we award a Broadway Bank scholar or sometimes two. For the most part, these awardees are the first in their family to go to college. And I think, Jacob, we can look this up, but I know last year, both awardees were... Right, they're first First gen. First gen. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I can quickly plug on that, it's one of my favorite things that we do all year long at Broadway Bank is fund that scholarship and meet those students who are going on to do great things. And I think I just would like to engage our alumni. You don't have to be a bank to do this. Yeah. yeah, Anyone can jump on board and fund a scholarship through San Antonio Education Partnership. Yeah. And if you are interested too, the contact information will be in the show notes. So make sure you double check that. The website is saedpartnership.org. Pretty obvious where you can go donate on the website. So make sure you go and check out all the services that they provide, the community and the youth that's coming up trying to get into college and better their futures. And it is good to note that a recent interviewee, Ram Gonzalez from Prosper West, was a recipient of one of the scholarships quite a while back. And he's a prime example of the end result because it's not good to say in result because he's still working, (laughs) but he's a good example of what can come from all that. Yeah, the fruits of Bill's labor there, yeah. Absolutely. It's incredible. Working nonprofit is no easy feat. As executive director, what does your role entail? I can imagine it's probably a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. What is your focus when it comes to the organization itself? It is a little bit of everything. And let me just say, I do truly believe I have the best job in the world. I do. I feel lucky every day to work with so many talented, dedicated advisors who their life's work is helping students to achieve their goals. And in so many cases, I believe we are changing the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, because like you said, when you were reading my bio, education is the ultimate societal equalizer. It makes everything else irrelevant. And it is so empowering. And I was talking to someone who said, I can't believe you left victim services, Lisa. You loved working in domestic violence. And I did. I truly believe I still do. I work in victim services because what we do allows for victims of domestic violence to get out, Mm -hmm. to get out of that. 99% of all domestic violence victims have some sort of financial abuse tied to it. If you have the means to get a good job and sustain your life and your children, 
you can get out so much easier. So that's just kind of a little segue off, but it, it is the best job. Well, in the it's world. good to include that too, because yeah. you know, I think we did kind of skim over your time at the district attorney's office, yeah. you know, so let's just kind of yeah, backtrack absolutely. and go back to that because okay. I believe that does tell a big part of the story of where you are at today. So you were working in private sector for profit. And then you jump over to the Bear County District Attorney's mm-hmm. Office. How does that come into play? And then ultimately, what were you in charge of while you were there? The Family Justice Center is a collaborative. So the, the majority partner is the DA's office. But there's many, many different partners on site. It's a really neat setup for a nonprofit because basically the nonprofit itself just is funding services, mm-hmm. funding programs, direct welfare. You have other organizations and agencies who provide the manpower, the staff. So we didn't have any employees. I was an employee of the DA's office, but the district attorney in-kinded our salaries, basically, to help support this agency. Made it easy that no one had to drive all over town. You didn't have to go to your counselor appointment on one end of town and then go see your advocate to file a protective order and then go pick up your kids in another location. I mean, leaving an abuser is very difficult. And so having to do all those logistical things, that one day of two or three appointments across town could be enough for her to say, forget it, I'm not going to go. It's too complicated or I don't have a car or means. This way, it's all in one centralized location. One of the things I was so proud of when I was ED, we were in a different building paying a ton of money in rent. And thanks to the generosity of the district attorney at the time and Judge Wolf, we were moved into a county facility that was right across the street from the Bear County Courthouse. So literally a victim could walk across the street with their advocate, take care of whatever they needed with their protective orders, go back and work with a counselor, file a police report. SAPD was on site. It's a wonderful organization. And I worked with some really talented people. And really all of us were so dedicated and I became just enthralled with all of it. I wanted to do better, bring in more money. A lot of it was fundraising, but I also wanted to understand nonprofits and how to grow potentially the nonprofit. So that's when I started researching master's programs in public administration and saw that UTSA had a certification tied to the MPA program specific to nonprofit organizational leadership. And I knew that that's where I wanted to be. It just was icing on the cake that the classes were on the downtown campus, which was awesome because I worked downtown. And so I started that program the last semester that I was ED there. Mm. I knew my time was running short. The district attorney had not won his bid for re-election. I knew a new administration was coming in. Anytime that happens, anywhere from the presidency to a DA's office in San Antonio, you're going to see some changes. And so I thought that that was definitely a possibility that I could lose it, but I still wanted to stay on this path. I knew that I wanted to work in nonprofits and I wanted to know better how to run a nonprofit. And this program here at UTSA taught me so much. From the talented adjuncts that I worked with also professionally and knew from the nonprofit world to some of the professors here on staff, it was just a wonderful experience that I knew I would learn a lot. I had no idea how much this degree would help me in my day-to-day decision-making. When I'm in meetings with the city of San Antonio, I didn't really understand a lot of the policy end. Nonprofit was my world. That's where my focus was. Now, being in this program and learning how enmeshed all of that is, 
It's just a giant network. Mm -hmm. So just having that elevated understanding of the inner workings of even the city or the county and grant funding and how it's all connected, how federal dollars trickle down and end up in nonprofits, bank accounts, all of that. It's just been so important, I think, and helped me to run these businesses because ultimately that's what I'm doing. I'm running a business and every area of it from leadership and working with the staff to really structuring the organization. I've had to go through several organizational structures to better serve the students ultimately to um, starting programs like our own alumni program that we're starting. Really, what I learned here in this program has helped inform so many of those decisions. That is incredible. And we actually heard kind of the same nuances, and I'm bringing Ram up again, but Mm -hmm. his time working with the city council Mm -hmm. and understanding how governance works, ultimately becoming a more effective CEO and president of Prosper West or being a leader of a nonprofit. Because it's more of being a loud voice saying, hey, we need funding. There is a process to the whole thing. And in order to be the most effective and capture as much of that as you can, you have to go through the process correctly. Right. And you need to understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so awesome how your path has led you to this executive director position for the education partnership because you have the classroom experience. You've Mm -hmm. been with students in the classroom working. That automatic feeling of, I need to learn how the rest of this works. How does the principal make his decisions? And all of a sudden, you're moving on to business development in the for-profit sector, going into nonprofit, and then ultimately leading to where we are today. Obviously, there's a ton of work that you're doing for the education partnership as it is. Your timing was interesting. You come in 2019, Mm -hmm. and you made full-time ED right before the pandemic or right as it was setting in. And the difficulty for any nonprofit through that whole time, it's hard to keep that ship upright when everyone is holding on and saying, we got to hold on to our donation dollars as we had, because we just don't know what's going to happen. How did you navigate that? Well, it was tough. Thankfully, I have a very supportive and engaged board who I have standing weekly meetings with my chair. And if anyone is hoping to ever run a nonprofit, I recommend that. I think that's been very, very helpful. My past chair during the pandemic was so supportive and really helped me to focus my energy on the staff, making sure that the team was okay. And it was a scary time, especially in the beginning. We transitioned literally overnight. We didn't stop services one second from 100% in-person walk-in to Cafe College to work with an advisor When the city of San Antonio and all the mandates came down and the shutdown happened, we went immediately to virtual, 100%. And that was tough because it was always something that we knew we should probably eventually someday do virtual stuff. And then let's move on and talk about something. It just was a fleeting thought. Mm -hmm. So if I can look back and say anything good came of the pandemic, it was definitely that it forced our hand, right? right? We had to figure it out because students still needed help. And, And this was across all of our programs. And then we had the added issue where a lot of folks were out of work all of a sudden especially given where we are. We're in San Antonio, the hospitality capital of the world, probably. Well, maybe not, but uh-huh. I feel like Pretty it close. is. <laughs> yes. Of South Texas, for sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so we had so many folks with our upgrade program. They supplemented their income by waiting tables or bartending or working at a hotel. And all of a sudden, those positions were gone. And whatever trajectory they were on or needed to start became that much more urgent. They literally had no income coming in. 
And so really, we had to refocus all of our energy on making sure our team was okay. And that became my first priority. And in a lot of ways, we weren't. A lot of us weren't okay. I think in many, many years, we're going to look back and see everything is written about this time and the workforce changing and the way that we look and approach our work is going to, I think, be a huge topic of many, many dissertations probably here at UTSA. (laughs) But it's really been fascinating to see how some people thrived in these conditions and some people really struggled. Likewise, our students were really struggling. I think that was probably the scariest part of all of this is once we hunkered down, made sure we were able to really hone our virtual, the modality of providing those services. We had that figured out. Our team was good. We were working from home. Some of us went into the office still. I mean, I had to sign stuff occasionally, but for the most part, we were all locked down, Mm -hmm. but our students were too. And the worst, scariest part was that we were losing so many of them students that we knew in January and February of 2020 had done most of what they needed for our scholarship and activated it. And they maybe had two workshops left to attend before we knew they were good to go. We lost them. We couldn't find them. They weren't answering. That was the worst part of it. And we had to really get clever about outreaching students and partnering with those campuses who were struggling equally. But I can say San Antonio, the innovation here with our ISDs was incredible. And everybody literally boots on the ground, knocking on doors, working with other nonprofits, partnering and getting collateral to families. So they would physically see things where maybe the digital divide kept them from accessing some of this information. I've never experienced a time where there was so much condensed brainstorming. I had such decision fatigue. I thought I had had it before. It was nothing like what was happening around the summertime of 2020 with me. Just as a leader, knowing I am in trouble, I've got to take some time away. And that was even harder because an ED position really is 24-7. And working from home, those boundaries became more difficult. So it's things that I think we're still all grappling with in a way, but we've had to keep moving and moving forward. And you pause, you do the self-reflection, self-care when you can. but. I don't think that it's ever inappropriate to remind everyone listening to this or you're a professional, you want to go back to school. It's possible, but you've got to also remember to take the time and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You can take care of everybody else, but got to make sure you're okay. Wow. We've all been through a lot and students are still struggling. Mm. We're really watching that closely. Absolutely. Yeah. You talk about Programs are available to everybody, and I think this is a good conversation to have with the alumni that are listening. If they are interested in going back and getting Mm -hmm. their master's, do you guys offer programs in helping older students get back in? We do. In fact, as a professional myself who returned to school, I was amazed at, and this was before I was at the partnership, so I was still working with the DA's office at the Family Justice Center when I enrolled at UTSA for my MPA. Just getting my transcript from UT Austin, they wanted me to use my old login from (laughs) 1997. So I'm like, did I even, because I remember registering for classes and calling a phone. Y'all are probably too young for this. Give the class number. Yeah, Yeah, I had the catalog and I'd be hunkered down in my dorm room to register. So things are very different now. And just navigating that was such a challenge. And 
This sounds so silly, but I was so stressed out about where to park. Whereas I have meetings on campuses all the time, but as a student with a backpack, where do I go? And how do I get a parking pass? Do they mail it to me? Things like that. So the partnership has a program called Upgrade that we're seeing the most growth with this program right now because I always equate that with the need. I was going to ask you about that too, Mm -hmm. with creating programs and opportunities for students or just people looking to go back and figure out another job because this one's not working out. Right. What was that like? Did you notice an uptick on more professional folks or older folks that are looking to come in and maybe do a career change or just look for help all around? Yes, huge. Yeah, a big, big shift in, okay, I know I need to get a certification or they're already working in a field, but they've maxed out on where they are with whatever it is they're doing Mm -hmm. without any post-secondary certification or degree. So they know to move up, they've got to re-engage with a program of study. So upgrades become very critical in that, in answering all those questions that I had. Like, I wish I had known about upgrade because I would have called Elizabeth and been like, where do I park? Yeah, me too. (laughs) I mean, I I was out of school. I started junior college right out of high school. Ten years later, I get back into school. You want to talk about nervous. My first class was business calculus, but that was probably a mistake. I probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> I probably should have taken a little yeah. bit easier. Maybe an class algebra class. first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm so glad you mentioned Elizabeth by name because as you're talking about upgrade, I was thinking, you know, I got the pleasure of meeting her oh, yeah. this past summer, and I was thinking, you know, as we're talking through the upgrade program, you know, I want alumni to know it's not go on SAEP's website and it's a resource that you click. There's actual staff that are walking you through this and hand-holding it. There's advice that you're getting and tangible things that you're walking away with. Yeah. And even the outside resources of let's understand your personality. Mm -hmm. Does this upgrade make sense? Right. Right? Because sometimes you don't even know. It's like, I want to go get a business analytics master's. Well, why? Yeah. Does that make sense? Are there jobs that you would want to do? Yeah. Another thing that they're so talented at, so many folks have got five or six hours from this institution and- 20 from that, and then they've got a fine over here at this campus, but they picked up three hours, but they won't release the transcript because they still and owe believe money. Me, that yeah. is a it's struggle. Very, oh, it's a huge obstacle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we're able to help with that. And we can take not only those transcripts, put them together. It's like a puzzle. I've literally seen it's like they're putting a puzzle together. But they've found after doing those transcript evaluations that sometimes people are just hours away from a degree. And yeah, sometimes what seems like it's insurmountable because you owe money somewhere really is not insurmountable when you engage with someone who has experience working with these institutions Mm -hmm. because ultimately they want to get students re-enrolled. There's always a way, especially if you have somebody on your side And believe me, we've seen it, we've heard it, and it's no big deal. We've all been through it. I have personally the struggles of re-engaging as a professional in post-secondary education. It's tough. I know it is. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Goodness, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Right. And your staff is so passionate about that. Oh my gosh, and so knowledgeable. And yeah, passionate. We get so excited when we get another degree and upgrade, especially who we're engaged with those adults that have some college and not yet achieve that credential. It's so tough for them. They've got extra barriers. You know, Mm. they've got kids, they've got jobs, they've got family obligations, they've got maybe a death in the family. So much happens that 
we understand it can take a little bit longer. We'll literally stay with you the whole way. It looks like SAEP is pretty involved with UTSA. I mean, there's different events that you guys have, even up to wearing the school colors on right. a specific day. So um, I always wear my day. shirt on college day. That's, what I'm, That's, right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what are some things that the alumni can potentially do that maybe have some resources or some time to help either donate to you guys or provide some support? That's one of my favorite questions I've ever <laughs> asked um, because, yeah, we are a nonprofit. We do need support from the community to keep doing the work that we're doing. And much like Jacob mentioned, Broadway Bank has a scholarship that they fund every year. If an alumni, a group, or even just a single alumni would ever want to sponsor a scholarship or a student, we're open to that and love that. I'm right now talking with an alumni of UTSA who's considering this. They work in the construction industry and want to fund a scholar that wants to go into construction. So it can be as specialized as that. And then we have events here and there. I love to bring in folks from the community who work in a field that a student can see themselves in. Someone who maybe grew up on the south side of San Antonio and is a first-generation student, went on to college, and now has a career that they love. If you ever want to engage with one of our summer camps and talk to a group of young students, that would be phenomenal do a workshop in financial management. I mean, there's so many opportunities beyond just writing a check, but we will always take checks. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like there's a, a ton of opportunity for the yeah. alumni network to get involved. And we strongly suggest that you do because, again, there's a lot of give and take, and it's up to us as alumni and a university to provide that support to the students. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I think it's such a great, great service. I wish, again, I had this access to support back when I was going. I do know personally the struggle of trying to figure out the way, whether it's even just trying to find out what classes I need to take versus what does that path look like? Because there's always that bit of question of, am I taking the right classes at the right time? We do get some support internally from advisors, but at the same time, it's good to have that third-party opinion. Mm -hmm. It's a different path for everybody. I would appreciate a lot coming from somebody that's been down the path before and understands what the experience is like. But Lisa, thank you so much. This has been really great. Going to get the word out for the alumni that are listening. If you are interested in reaching out, we will have the contact information in the show notes, or you can visit the website, saedpartnership.org. All the information will be there, and you can reach out to Lisa and her team to get everything cracking. But thank you again thank so you. much. We thank really you, appreciate Lisa. it. Awesome. Birds up. Birds up. Beep, beep. So there you have it, Runner Nation, the interview with Lisa Cunningham from San Antonio Education Partnership. Uh, such an awesome interview, hearing her story going through her start in college yeah. and really falling on her face and getting up, dusting off yeah. and coming back home, going to mm -hmm. UTSA, finishing her undergrad yeah. and starting a professional career. Yeah, I, I, Jerry, I think the thing that stands out to me in, in a lot of our interviews and a lot of the conversations we have with folks is it's not a straight line through folks' career. Mm -hmm. I think most of us experience that. And these conversations are a great example, even with these notable alumni that we're highlighting. It's not a straight line. It's a taking what you have and taking these experiences and learning from them and looking at what opportunities are in front of you and saying yes when you do have an mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of zigging when you should be yeah, zagging. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think that's so powerful and such an interesting thing for anyone to pick up on. Yeah. yeah. And, and San Antonio Education Partnership is interesting, too. The, the way that it was built by community leaders, yeah. right? The idea is to bridge the gap between educating high school kids, college kids, and career adults mm -hmm. 
through the San Antonio education system to further their abilities. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, the programs that the Antonio Education Partnership has that we spoke about in the interview, such as Cafe College, mm-hmm. their scholarship, mm-hmm. the upgrade program right. for adults that are maybe looking for another line of work or just upgrading where they're at. That's going to be huge for San Antonians to mm-hmm. take advantage of that. I mean, that's such... That can be so overwhelming to take that on as an adult. And to have that as a resource here locally is just going to be a huge resource mm-hmm, for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said in the interview, Ram Gonzalez yeah. is an alumni through the program. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So should be testament enough, I mean, just to kind of show you the ability, or at least the, the access to information and pathways yeah. that San Antonio Education Partnership provides. Yeah. She and her team are making impacts that are paying dividends across our city. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you again so much for the time. Anyone that's listening, would like to have some more information on these programs and on San Antonio Education Partnership as a whole. I included all the links on the show notes so you'll be able to go to the website and highlighted individual websites for those programs as well. So make sure you check out the show notes and learn more about San Antonio Education Partnership and how you can get involved. Guys, what else we got going on with the Alumni Association? I know you're getting these emails weekly probably, but our annual Zoom membership joint drive with the Alumni Association is still going on. So through December 8th, you have the opportunity to renew your Alumni Association membership and get a Zoom annual membership. If you already are an Alumni Association membership, you can get an extremely discounted Zoom membership for this. This is perfect for me. I'll speak selfishly. With two young kids, man, we hit the zoo hard. (laughs) It's a great opportunity uh, for families or anyone that's just looking to get out and get value for your dollar. That's going to go through December 8th, so be sure and check that out. Visit the Alumni Association website for more details. Another thing we've got going on, so we are heading into graduation season. I mean, mm. for our current, can you believe it? Like, and again, one of the fastest years ever, coming out of the slowest year ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the really cool things that came out of last year, as far as the Alumni Association goes, is you know we were looking for creative ways to highlight our students, to congratulate them. So something that was created last year was the commencement drive through the campus. And so it allowed for faculty, staff, alumni, anyone to get out there and congratulate our students as they drove through campus honking horns throwing confetti and so if burning sofas uh, yeah, not, 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 not that not that uh, <laughs> But if anyone is interested in joining in on this fun, we are going to continue that this year. We got such a great response in 2020 that we are continuing it in 2021. So that is going to take place on December the 10th at 3.30, driving through campus, our commencement drive. Congratulate our graduates. They worked hard. It's been a heck of a couple years here, and they have persevered. If you're interested in coming out and showing your appreciation, you are more than welcome December 10th at 3.30. I mean, I remember that, I guess, the timing of where the students are right now to leading up to commencement of just, it's it's a mixture between excitement and exhaustion. And fear, Mm -hmm. probably. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, checking every time to make sure that my name is actually on there, you know? Do you guys still have the dream that you didn't take a class that you, (laughs) as I still do? Or (laughs) did you get, like, a random, like, certified letter in the mail that, like, your degree is null and void? You to come back and miss something. Exactly. You actually had an entire whole semester you missed. Yeah. So. We're going to have to take that degree back. <laughs> at your early convenience, please drop it off at the alumni. Yeah. And they're not even willing to give it to you honorary. They're like, no, you no. actually have to come back yeah. and do yeah, the yeah. class. <laughs> These students <laughs> earned it, though. These students earned it that are going through the commencement drive. Making yeah. it. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Awesome. Well, we're really excited about our dip dash that's 
coming back in person this time. Yes. So February 26th, mark your calendars. This is a great time to get out. Help us support our, our scholarship fundraising. All of this money goes towards our scholarships that we provide to UTSA students. So you can come as an individual, run as an individual, or walk if you'd like to do that. We also are excited about having teams if you want to put a team together and be a part of it. And I believe we're going to be allowing dogs again. It's been dog friendly in the past. Dog so mm-hmm. um, bring your favorite four legged three-legged, two-legged, all-legged are welcome to participate. So we're super excited about that. Uh, so you'll be seeing some more information coming out about the Diploma Dash or Dip Dash for short. And before we close out the end of the year, we've got something really special coming up in December. So Drew, tell us a little bit more about what that is. So being, uh, I guess, a new member to the Alvarez College of Business Alumni Council Executive Board, uh, I had mentioned this on the, on the previous episode that on December 16th, we are having our first real ever mixer and and food drive for the UTSA Roadrunner Pantry. This will be held at Picks Bar on 1604 from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's going to be a really great opportunity for alumni to get together and meet and celebrate the end of the year, really introducing the Alumni Council to the College of Business alumni that are out there and really inform you guys on how you can get more involved as alumni through the Alvarez College of Business. So December 16th at Picks Bar, on 1604 from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We are going to be pushing the information out for that. So if you check the socials, the Alumni Association will have posts about it. And then make sure you follow the College of Business Alumni Council social medias as well. We are on Twitter and Instagram and all the good things. So make sure that you follow there. More events will be coming as well. So we, you know, we want to make these events a little bit more regular. This is basically our kickoff as an Alumni Council and want to get the College of Business Alumni connected. So December 16th, Picks Bar from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And you will need to RSVP for the event to make sure that you get your space in there as well as it will sell out. So make sure you go ahead and get that done. Uh, I guess the only one other event I could really talk about is the conference championship on the third, but on the fourth is the UTSA alumni rugby game. There you go. Both men's and women's at the UTSA campus. More information will be spilling out on that as I learn more about the times and everything. I believe uh, women's kicks off first, followed by the men's game. So if you want to learn more about this exciting sport, and especially since UTSA has a great team this year, It'll be a chance for you to see the current team in action take on the old boys. So shout out to UTSA Rugby on that. Pretty excited about that event. Uh, I do want to say thank you to everyone that has listened to, downloaded, shared, commented, liked, done all the things. We, we really could not appreciate it more. The response, again, has been amazing and continues to be amazing. Weekly, we see those numbers jump yeah, with, 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 new, with, with the new episodes that come out. It is really, really awesome. If you could do us a favor, especially if you're listening to the podcast on Apple, podcast make sure that you rate and review the episode and then with all the other platforms just make sure you subscribe so you get the updates on when the new episodes are being released our release frequency right now is every other friday at 6 a.m but uh, again subscriptions rates and reviews help us more than you know so uh, the more that we can bump those numbers up the more roadrunners we can come across and the more we can spread the word about our university and our great association but thank you once again for listening stay tuned for some really great episodes we have coming down the pike really excited about what we have coming up here in the next few weeks if you want to get in contact with us you can get in contact with the alumni association go to the website check out the socials and we hear you and we see you so go ahead and reach out if you have any questions about anything or if you'd like to volunteer we're always looking for help and we'll see you on the next one birds up birds up